0: This episode of the Astro Powder Podcast is brought to you by GEMA. Synchronized monitoring and control of your entire automated process is the core of GEMA's Magic Control 4.0 data management systems, with options like line management, offering deeper insight into productivity and consumption, or energy management, allowing you to monitor and save both energy and air consumption, or batch management, offering tracking of powder used to coat production batches. GEMA provides the very best in technology and connectivity for smarter factory automation. To learn more about Gama's Magic Control 4.0 data management systems, visit CompleteItWithGamma.com. When you want to know that everything is covered, Complete It With Gamma. The views and opinions expressed by the Astro Powder podcast may not necessarily reflect those of the ChemQuest group. Mm-hmm.
1: Hello all you powder coating fans, and welcome to this special PC Summit edition of the Ask Joe Powder Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Powder, aka Kevin Biller, and with me, as always, is my colleague, sidekick, and Gus White's uncle, Nathan. He's ChemQuest Powder Coating Research Group's Formulator, dude.
2: Hey, everybody! We're broadcasting from the Chemquest Powder Coating Research Studios in Columbus, Ohio. The purpose of the Astro Powder Podcast is to bring news and technical know-how to the global powder coating community. Let's get it rolling. Okay, but before we do, shout out! I want to give
1: a shout out to the people that made the Powder Coating Summit and also the PC Kitchen. A reality. We were quite busy a week ago, September twenty first and twenty second, with the summit. Two days before that, with the PC Kitchen. So the this episode's shout out goes to the producers, BNP Media, and our fine friends there, the exhibitors, sponsors, the speakers, and the attendees of these two great events. Thanks for your. Uh, your help and participation. I think things went really well.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great idea for you know our discussion today. We can just talk about the show how it went and some of the highlights. And go over you know some of the topics that were covered. Uh, first of all, like you said, Monday Tuesday was the PC Kitchen, which is you know it's our formulator's short course, but this was actually the first time we've done the two uh, the advanced formulating session and i thought it went really well we had a really great group of people there we covered a bunch of topics including low temperature cure and matting techniques and uv cure clear coats you know more of the advanced formulating topics as compared to the normal pc kitchen
1: yeah the the, the the PC kitchen 1.0 or the the fundamentals teaches the basics about resins, about curing agents, uh, about fillers and pigments, additives, uh, a little bit about processing and application. Uh, this 2.0 is digging in deeper with, uh, yeah, more specific formulating techniques. And uh, I agree. It went really well. We had a great group of people. We had 12, uh, Very uh, eager and and, uh, enthusiastic attendees. And, uh, yeah, it was great.
2: All right. Well, let's talk about the summit. We
1: kicked off the summit with a really great talk by Alessia Venturi, who is the chief editor, but also one of the co-founders and owners of International Paint and Coatings Magazine, which is uh, produced out of Italy. Her talk was on smart coatings and specifically smart powder coatings. And as these times will uh, dictate, um, with, with Alessia hailing from Italy, uh, she was unable to travel in person, so she recorded her presentation. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think it was a good way to kick it off, though, because she was talking about new trends and, you know, how future technology fits into coatings. She was talking about uh, cool coatings, you know, IR reflective Ones, insect-repelling powder coatings, which I thought was really interesting. I want to get me some of that from my backyard. Well, you know, it's interesting because, yeah, you know, there's
1: the – in the first world, uh, mosquitoes, by and large, are just – it's more of a pest. But when you get into developing nations, um, you know, it's a matter of life and death. And these uh, insect-repelling powder coatings uh, have a 62% efficacy of repelling specific mosquitoes that carry – some of the more terrible viruses like zika and yellow fever so that was kind of cool but uh yeah she gave a a nice sampling of of some of these new developments and another one was photocatalytic which the surface of the coating in the presence of uv light converts pollution in in particular its uh, nitrous oxides into harmless nitrates so it was cool it was it was great it was you know, next time, hopefully, we'll be able to see her in person.
2: Absolutely. And, all right, the second talk was uh, Rich Czarnecki from Micropowders. They're company that makes wax additives for powder coatings and other applications. But they were talking about graphene oxide in uh, powder form that can be used as uh Is an additive for powder coatings, but he was mostly focused on its performance as a corrosion inhibitor.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, the data that was generated um, did show some improvements in some of the formulations, so pretty interesting stuff.
2: Well, and the thing that's interesting with that is they take the graphene, they package it on a wax that's easy to disperse in a coating, and that's where I think, you know, you can just put graphene directly into... Your mix, but I think focusing on how to disperse it right is a big part of why you get the kind of results that you get it's all about de, de- agglomeration, Nate. it's all about de deagglomeration so uh the next one was
1: uh a, a pigment type technology basically it's it's a white pigment additive and this was given by ilka Taminen from Fp pigments Give a good talk on A useful technique to extend titanium dioxide, which is in short supply.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's an extender. So it's you get more opacity with less TiO2, which, you know, anybody that's trying to buy TiO2 right now knows how hard that is to do. So you want to give these guys a call. They're global.
1: FP Pigments, their world headquarters is in Finland. But they really are. They've got offices throughout the world. Um, we've got a good friend in the UK. Certainly there in North North America, so give those guys a shout if you're looking at uh extension of TIO two.
2: All right, and on the other end of the color spectrum, uh our next talk was about Carbon Black, and that was from Orion uh Carbon Blacks. Yeah, it was an excellent presentation by Trin
1: Gwyn from Orion Engineered Carbons, and she was signed up to do the twenty twenty. PC summit which we we had to postpone right. till this year but she gave a very uh energetic enthusiastic presentation about just a ton of data that was generated looking at all sorts of different carbon blacks different different ways that they were produced and also different particle sizes and then their effect in different powder coating binders
2: right yeah it did seem like the you know the primary particle size of carbon black has such an effect on the tint strength and the jetness. And they just had a huge amount of information about all those different factors that go into it. It's really interesting. I thought,
1: yeah, you know, the other thing that caught my attention, Nate was she showed results in different types of binder chemistry. And in particular was uh, a polyester based powder versus a hybrid or epoxy polyester. And, and the difference in the binder had a difference in dispersion and color development. So anybody looking into, you know, doing a deep dive into carbon black technology um, should give these guys a, a shout.
2: All right. And then i sensing a pattern here. We're on uh, pigments still. Bonnie Pirro from Sudershan USA gave a talk about uh, organic pigments, And in particular, they have different treatments on them. And it seems like it really does have an effect on your end result when you have different grades of pigments that have different kinds of treatments how they incorporate, how they disperse.
1: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, have to have to give a full disclosure here. We we did a lot of the work for them, but um, we were evaluating for them grades of pigments that were. Um, directed towards three different types of materials or technologies, uh, specifically those designed for plastics, those designed for coatings, and those designed for printing inks.
2: Yeah, and powder is interesting because in its processing form, it has a lot in common with plastics, the way that we incorporate the materials together, but In its end use, it's a coating. So, you know, you've always asked, like, would you look at a raw material that's for the plastics or for, you know, something that's traditionally for liquid paint, for instance. And, you know, sometimes it's one, sometimes the other. Sometimes you have to just uh, look at all the information that's available.
1: Yeah, but the results that she she presented were quite interesting. And and by and large, the plastics-grade pigments perform the best had the best color development in powder coating. So that was good. Really good. You know, thanks, Bonnie. The next presentation was actually the following morning, and uh, that was the keynote address from uh, a good friend of mine from long ago we worked together, um, Kevin Hales, who is the Global Product Manager for Powder Coating Innovation in Automotive and i know i've got that mixed up a little bit but he's the innovation manager for automotive powder coatings in Axonobel
2: yeah he gave a really good overview of you know the history of where powder coatings have been used in automotive and then a lot about the new opportunities as the technology you know they're making automobiles differently than they did 20 30 years ago and so the requirements for what sort of coatings are used are going to change too Part of that is, you know, the materials are changing, light weighting and things like that. They're using more plastics and composites and non-metallic substrates, which, you know, we've talked extensively about, you know, the ways that powder can be used there. But also with more and more of the market going to electric vehicles, it seems like there's a lot of under-the-floorboard kind of parts that seems like powder is really a good application for.
1: Yeah, and you know, the other thing that Kevin presented was he said, you know, the trends are, and and I think we've heard this before, but the trends are, he said on a worldwide basis by 2025, the production of automotive cars and small trucks, 25% of the the production is going to be electric vehicles or EVs. That's worldwide. He said that they're predicting 100% of the vehicles produced in China and India, by the year twenty thirty, are going to be electric. Kind of, kind of amazing growth.
2: Yeah, and it seems like a lot of the interesting, you know, specifically powder coating related um, automotive things are coming out of Asia. You know, they've got full body top coats on, you know, the Tatas and the Cherries and some of those, you know, lower cost vehicles that are out there. Yeah, and,
1: you know, it's interesting because, you know, I kind of cut my teeth in the industry developing technology for automotive, you know, powder coatings. And, you know, it was a big, big development in North America. And, you know, North America and Western Europe led in the technology and the commercialization. Things went cool after the turn of the century. And lo and behold, the places where things were happening were… Like you mentioned, Tata and Cherry, you know, those are you know two gigantic automotive companies. But they have either single coat or it's a, you know, eco primer followed by a powder top coat for a number of their um, product lines. But Scania, uh, which is out of Sweden. But there's other, you know, JAC out of China with small trucks. And I can't pronounce this one, Nate, but it's Bioma out of China. They've, they picked up the, the mantle and they've been, uh, powder coating as a body coat for these entry level small cars, which is tremendous, I think. Um, and there's, there's going to be growth. I, I really think there's going to be growth across the board in those regions. The, the last thing I want to add, Nate, um, before we talk about the next presentation was, you know, we think about powder coatings as body coats, but if you look at, the square meters of coating required for the electrical drivetrain of a, of a new EV automobile. The body coats and the, the electrical component coats, it's about 50-50. They're about the same, same amount of material used per vehicle. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're looking at a substantial amount of powder being used in the future. So I'll kind of leave it with that.
2: All right. Well, uh, the next talk after that was uh Matt Salvi from King Industries and he was talking about a new catalyst for low temperature powder coatings. And it seems like they might have something interesting there. He was comparing it against imidazoles, which are kind of the, you know, standard chemistry that we use a lot for catalyzing, reducing the cure temperature of uh of our coatings. But yeah I think they they have a new kind of a chemistry that they're looking at
1: yeah this one's uh it's carboxylate chemistry um and I don't know if he specified you know what type of carboxylate but but regardless uh they did some pretty extensive work comparing it to two different admitzoles and saw some pretty encouraging results. I think more work needs to be done, and you know they were just kind of you know introducing the the uh the technology and and what some of its capability could be but Good job, Matt. Yeah, and it's nice to see new speakers, and it's nice to see new technology. So that was, that was a good talk.
2: For sure. All right, we'll come right back to it after this word from our sponsors.
0: Are you looking for a solution to coat your most difficult products with no touch-up? then GAMA's Dynamic Contouring Equipment is the right solution for you. Unlike robotic coating, Dynamic Contouring offers greater flexibility without all the programming hassle, while correctly positioning each powder gun to automatically coat your parts. For more information, call 877-437-6771. Once again, that's 877-437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me! Automate it Position it Detect it Code it Complete it with GEMA
2: The Powder Coating Research Group is a proud sponsor of the Ask Joe Powder Podcast PCR is the only independent laboratory dedicated to powder coating technology We do everything from raw material evaluation Formulating the next generation of coatings New product development Testing Troubleshooting Training And consulting find out more visit our website at powdercoatingresearch.com or you can email kevin biller at kevin yahoo.com. thanks for listening to the astro powder podcast
1: okay the next one we want to talk about was a was a rather technical but very accessibly Delivered a presentation by Vinay Mishra from Jayhawk. They make uh, anhydrides, dianhydrides, and his talk focused on BTDA.
2: Yeah, he was talking about using this essentially, it's a curing agent for high temperature epoxy applications. So, you know, when we talk about epoxy, usually we are You know, assuming it's high performance in one way or another, but these are kind of exceptional because the cured coating is supposed to be able to hold up to a higher operating temperature, which is pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's it's interesting how these things tie in together, Nate. You know, Kevin Hales was talking about the the requirements for the EV components where they need, you know, higher temperature resistance and, you know, dielectric constant and um, insulative effects, and BTDA is used for that specific reason in composites. So powder coating technology can borrow from the the way it's used in composites.
2: Hmm. So. The next presentation was back to the topic of pigments, but this one was from Mark Ryan from Shepherd Color. And it's interesting because, you know, they make inorganic pigments, but... This was about a study that they're doing where they put a whole bunch of their pigments into fluoropolymer-based powder coatings, and they're just doing all the weathering tests that you can think of. It's been ongoing for a couple of years, so they have a lot of the accelerated data, you know, the weathering cabinets, and I think there was some amaqua there. Yeah, but, there
1: was some amaqua.
2: But, you know, they're probably going to leave them on a fence in Florida for 50 years, too, because...
1: Yeah and you know this was from our good friend Mark Ryan as you mentioned and um the uh th- this is a long term uh you know test series um he said that the 2 year South Florida were coming off in October as we as we're speaking here um so this was more of an update on where things are and everything's looking great as you could expect after 2 years the next presentation was by another one of our friends and and I got to give, you know, you know hats off to our good friend Bernie Resch of Ivonic. Bob Lynn was originally the speaker for this one and and luckily Bernie was able to craft his own presentation on on the same subject. Bob has moved on in his career, but uh Bernie gave a great presentation on a new matting agent which is based on amorphous spherically shaped uh, silica, which, add, you know, it's it's pretty low specific gravity. But the stuff works really well. So it's a, looking like a good option for matting and powder.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting piece of technology, you know, just as a matting additive. I also thought that, you know, he presented some really interesting data. Like, I don't know, I always like seeing visualizations <laughs> of... Of things like the way that he showed them, and he
1: had some really cool, cool like surface topography stuff.
2: Yeah, exactly. Where you, you know,
1: really good stuff.
2: That's always fun to see. All right, and the next one was from Connie Praslowski from AGC, and they're you know they're the people that make the fluoropolymer resins that are uh, pretty commonly used for hyper durable or you know long term outdoor durable powder coatings and her presentation was focused on a lot of observations they made about processing conditions especially with extrusion conditions where you know if you're outside of the right kind of processing window you might not end up with a you know an ideal coating so very
1: instructive and and that's you know it it was a good lesson i think to anyone evaluating raw materials in anything really, I mean, in powders specifically, but other other types of formulated products, you know, liquid paints or other things, that you've got to be wise and you have to keep your eyes open as to, does this stuff process a little differently? And am I missing something by just, you know, not taking care to look at maybe a couple of different processing conditions? Because her, her results are pretty graphic. The, the mixing and, and certainly the extrusion conditions were were very important.
2: Yeah, and the presentation that came after that one was also about surface texture, but this one was a little different. This one was from Lan Yeo. Uh She's a color researcher at Axo Nobel Coatings, and it was about digitalizing surface texture, and I think they did a lot of the work with the BIC instrument people
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, where they're able to scan the surface of a coating and actually numerically describe what's going on there instead of you know a lot of what we do is comparative or you know maybe even a little subjective where you say oh the texture's in between this one and that one but they're talking about gathering lots and lots of data and doing lots of readings of the of the surface of these things and then correlating results based on that
1: yeah they did a great job and and they took uh you know, they had the actual samples themselves, which I think it, it numbered in the hundreds. And they, they had quality control people, research people, and marketing people all do their interpretation. And they, they did a huge statistical analysis of mm-hmm. it so that they could really describe, um, what the numbers meant to the human eye. And I gotta say one more, one last thing about that presentation. That was another recorded one. That one came, from uh Lana's um her home base is in the Netherlands, you know, working for uh Axo Nobel. But she had the best introduction of 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 all <laughs> right. these great presentations. She was with her phone and she was on a, a walk in 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 a nature park and she said, oh, don't worry, you didn't get the wrong presentation. I thought it'd be good to just say hello from this beautiful field you know, near my home. And I thought it was just great. It made me smile. It, it got my attention, and, and it was a great presentation regardless. So, yeah, that that was a good
2: technique. All right, and the final presentation, uh, it was from Cal Iziagu uh, from Allnex." A resin company. And That's all mixed with a small a. <laughs> he was talking about gloss control in powder coating, HAA resin specifically, which is a pretty interesting topic. I think that this is a new, you know, kind of the new trend out of the resin companies is they're finding new ways to do a one-shot flow gloss HAA, which has usually been difficult to do. He did a really nice job
1: with providing a survey of the different gloss lowering techniques that were used, which was interesting because you gave the talk at the PC kitchen 2.0 about gloss reduction. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just really cool to see two industry experts like you and Cal, you know, independently have a very similar presentation on the various ways to lower gloss in powder. So it was pretty cool. But it looks like good technology. Yeah, and I would encourage anyone who's formulating uh, polyester powders to contact those guys. All right, before we go, I'd like to talk just briefly about upcoming events.
0: Hey, friends, where are we going? To
1: an upcoming event. Probably the most noteworthy would be the 2022 PC Summit will be co-located with Codings, Trends, and Technologies in the Chicago area next year. It's going to be the first week in September, and it's it's in a, a town outside of Chicago in Lombard, Illinois. We're going to be sharing uh the venue
2: with our friends from Codings, Trends, and Technologies. Yeah, we had a lot of questions about this. The way I see it, the two events really have a lot of the same theme i think that ctt has historically been you know it's been about liquid coatings and it's aimed at those formulators for liquid coatings and you know we have an event that's pretty similar but it's all about powder coatings i think that by actually combining them in some ways you know we get our materials from the same raw material people a lot of times and
1: you know, it, it, it it's 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 kind of similar to what they did with the Powder Coating Institute event, their you know, powder technical um event, whatever they call it. They call it the powder coating week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but they co they co produce or co locate with C C A I, which is Chemical Coders Association International, and they just find it there there's enough overlap that you can do them in the same week. How we do it with uh coatings, trends, and technology, we're gonna see, but I think we're gonna have separate tracks and um yeah, we're gonna focus on powder coatings where you know our are, are part of the program and liquid paint guys will be down the hall. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I want to say about upcoming events is Abrafati has been postponed till twenty twenty two. It had been originally scheduled for November, I think it was.
2: It was scheduled for September, and then it got pushed back to the, the end of November, beginning of December. Okay. And then they just announced that they're going to be um, delaying it again. So that's – I mean, that's a big show, so. Yeah, they're going to delay it. It's, it's Now it's
1: scheduled for 22nd and 23rd of June. Oh, wow. Again in Sao Paulo.
2: All right. Well, hope they, they can keep that on track. All right. Well, Thanks,
1: everybody, for your attention. This was a special edition of our, our humble Ask Joe Powder podcast.
2: Yeah, and you can find us online at uh If you want to be the first to know when a new episode comes out, because they aren't always on the same schedule, uh, just subscribe to it on your favorite podcast app. We also have a YouTube page that you can um, – Find all of our old episodes and we'll be um, adding our new episodes as they come. If you want to ask a question, the email address is askjoepowder at yahoo.com. Or you can call and leave a message. Country code 1-478-2 Ask Joe. It's 1-478-227-5563. This has been a production of the ChemQuest Powder Coating Research. And just want to give a shout out to Nick Page. Uh, you know, we always give him credit for doing the music, the editing, sound effects, all that sort of stuff. But he's uh, coming out with a new music video that has everything to do with powder coatings. Uh, check that out on our YouTube. We'll have a link for you in the description.
1: And I think we're going to have the audio instead of outtakes although there probably were plenty that could qualify this time. Stick around. I think you're going to really enjoy uh, Nick's most recent creation.
2: And keep your powder dry.
0: Thank you for listening to the Astro Powder Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Gama. Gama's Optiflex Pro manual gun uses Power Boost technology, which gives you the industry's highest charging power at 110,000 volts and 110 microamps, allowing for faster and more efficient powder coating. We're handing you more power, more quality, and more control. For a demonstration, call 877 437 6771. Once again, that's 877-437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. When you want to know that everything is covered, complete it with Gama.
3: Joe Powder gave me a job, and now I take the bus to the job that he gave me. Unless I don't take the bus, then I just pay a whole bunch to park. Take raw materials out of big bags And I mix them with other materials from bags And they all go into a much smaller bag That I shake and mix and blend The blended-up stuff gets fed in a machine That heats it and smashes it into a goo The goo goes through rollers To come out cold and flat Grinding and simming Grinding and sifting, this is the life that I'm happy to have now. I'm living for grinding and sieving. Out of the sieve comes a powder with which I can shoot things because I've got a gun. But it doesn't shoot bullets, it shoots powder, static, and air. Static charge powder sticks to the ground and substrate and stays there unless I drop it. Then I just bake it at the time and the temperature required. Once it's cooled down and I see that it's flawed because I didn't clean things enough. Clean things again, that's when it's time to try again. Grinding and sitting Grinding and sitting This is the life that I'm happy to have Now I'm living For grinding and sitting Grinding and sitting Grinding and sitting This is the life that I'm happy to have Now I'm living For grinding and sitting Joe Powder me a job and now I take the bus to the job that he gave me thank you Joe